Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. And good afternoon, everybody. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, Dalton Stanford Esquire at the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And it's another edition of the Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. Kelly J. Yes, but we have an extra special guest in the studio. We have an extra special yeah. guest. Towns Joseph Getty is in the studio with us from Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, Towns is my uh, grandson, seven years old. Now, now for the, did you say uh, Town, Towns Joseph? Is that what you said? Yeah. Full name there, please, sir. What? What's your full name? Towns Joseph Getty. And you're eight, correct? So, and Towns, do you go by TJ then? Does anybody call you TJ? Uh-uh. No, it's always Towns. Towns. Okay. Mr. Gotcha. Towns. Or Tojo. Or, or what? Tojo? Tojo. That's what his daddy calls him, Tojo. Oh, okay. I yeah. gotcha. Towns Joseph Tojo. Yeah. Ah, okay. He, he, well, we're glad you're with us, Tojo. You glad to be here? I was going to say, with a name like Tojo, he's he's too young to be a, a, a connoisseur of Japanese history. <laughs> don't think. I don't think. I don't think of that. All right. We're glad to have Towns in the studio. This segment sponsored, of course, by our good friends at Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of the Eagle Hour and Southern Miss Athletics. You can enjoy their delicious meats, cooked fresh every day in their restaurants across Mississippi. And, of course, they'll cater any event for you, large or small. I think they're going to name they're going to name one of those uh, menus after the Cincinnati Bengals. All, all the meats that are smoked. Because <laughs> that's what's going to happen this year. That would be pretty applicable. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, the holidays sort of uh, turning things around. So we brought Patrick McGee on the show today from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Lots to talk to the professor about. And uh, an early happy Fourth of July to you, professor. Hey, guys. How are y'all? Well, we're good, man. Lots to talk to you about today. You know, the last time... Uh, the last time we had you on the show, we uh, we we waited until the last minute to uh, talk about the the last hire on the basketball program. But Patrick, I'll tell you, Kelly and I had lunch Friday with uh, the associate head coach Kyle Roan, and uh, we were talking about what uh, you know the great turnout for the camps and and the excitement that uh, seems to be in the air. And uh, this this last coach very interesting because at one time we were told. He was the highest-paid assistant coach in the country. Is that correct? Yeah, whenever he was at Kansas State, whenever he was recruiting guys like Michael Beasley and another uh, really you know standout players that came through the Big Twelve. Uh, so yeah, he was working under Frank Martin, I believe, and then he moved over to Maryland, and he was also well paid there. He was regarded as one of the nation's top recruiters. Uh, so he he'll bring a pretty impressive Rolodex in terms of contacts and. And everything. I mean, he's not in the same position he was years ago. He he was out of the game for a little bit. Uh, it's been awesome P the last two years. But just the fact that uh, all the guys that he knows and, the, and he's well respected in a lot of AAU circles and stuff like that. I think it it really adds something to the staff. It's what they needed with the staff they put together. They needed somebody with more you know that had contacts throughout the region and and beyond that. So. Uh, Delonte Hill, he definitely brings that with him. It appears to me that the new coach uh, 
has done quite an impressive job in putting together a staff. It seems like a, a, a really high-caliber staff, Patrick. Yeah, well, I think it's a good staff for Southern Miss. I mean, you have Clarence Weatherspoon and Kyle Rohn and now Hill. I think they all kind of balance each other out in what they offer. You know, Spoon's been strong in-state. Ladner, Rohn, obviously strong in-state. They've been recruiting Louisiana and probably some Texas in recent years. But I think they all kind of work together well, uh, and they're all going to kind of offer something different to the team. I, th- I think it is a really good staff. I mean, you're, uh, you're, you don't really have many guys on that staff that are kind of getting their first gig. Uh, these, this is an experienced staff. It's a it's a group that's kind of been around the block a time or two and had success. So uh, I'm kind of interested to see what they can do. Uh, you know, there's uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in year one. You know, you know there may be some unforeseen stuff that can get in the way, but uh, there's definitely a, a reason for optimism in year one and really going into year two and three. Speaking of optimism, Patrick, I want to shift gears and talk football. We talked yesterday on the Eagle Hour here about. Uh, about a lot of the preseason magazines and prognosticators uh, talking about Conference USA, and some of them have Southern Miss, you know, first or second in the uh, West Division. Uh, but ranking the different units on the teams, a cross section of polls now put together had the Southern, ranked the Southern Miss defensive line going into the season. Now, mind you, we haven't played a snap, but going into the season had the, the defensive line of Southern Miss ranked first in the conference, the defensive backs ranked third. And the linebackers ranked fifth in the entire conference. Hardly anybody was mentioned on the offense, other than the offensive line, which was ranked sixth. Okay, <laughs> considering where you know where, where they were last year. But with those defensive numbers, obviously, it it would appear that even outsiders looking in are expecting this Southern Miss team to be very defensive heavy come this fall. Yeah, and I think actually those those num- those rankings aren't aren't. Right. I mean, I, th- I think that uh, that group as a whole, I mean, all three of them deserve to be in the top three uh, in their in their uh, categories. The offensive line, you know, ranked rank six. That's probably more on, in terms of guys returning from a year ago. Uh, we'll, we'll see where they stand at the end of the year. But I think the defense uh, as a whole has a, has a chance to be the, the best they've had in a very long time. Uh, you know, you, you just don't have a weak spot. And even though you say the linebackers are fifth, uh, you have, you know, you're going to have some new guys working in there, uh, but I really like the, the the depth they're going to have there and the overall talent. I think they're going to be a little bit longer, uh, a little bit more athletic. So I think this year's linebacking core has a chance to be even improved on last year's group, which was really good. But they were more experienced. They weren't, you know, overly athletic or fast. I think this group will be uh, that much better. If the defense does indeed prove prove to be as good as as outsiders looking in think it's going to be as a unit. What flexibility or freedom now does that give to the offense? How does that change the complexion of the offense? Well, I mean, I, we saw what happened kind of late in the year uh, uh, whenever the defense was obviously carrying the team. You saw them run the ball a little bit more, and you kind of won some ugly football games. You looked to the, maybe the Marshall game and the, the Louisiana Tech game. Uh, those weren't, you know, pretty games, uh, you know, offensively, but, you know, it got the job done. They didn't turn the ball over a whole lot. Uh, maybe, you know, you see some wins more like that, you know, instead of where you're trying to run up and down the field and run tempo. Uh, maybe you see a little bit less of that. Uh, you know, I think Buster Faulkner would probably disagree with that uh, deal, but at the end of the day, Jay Hobson is the head coach, and he, they're going to have to make a call to him. Part of the, you know, the reason they ran the ball a bit more is because injury to the quarterback, having to put Tate Watley in there. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, there's a chance that they rely on the ground game, which has to be better, 
just be more conservative and, and, and possibly a you know, few more short tosses. But I, I think that they'll have a chance to open up the offense if they really want to. I expect the offensive line to be improved. And I was a little bit surprised that in those cross-section of rankings, the wide receiving core didn't get any love in the, in the top eight. They weren't even in the top eight. But clearly, Quez Watkins is going to be the big question mark there, right? Yeah, and it appears he's on pace to be eligible. Uh, we'll, we'll find out come August. Uh, they're at the start of fall camp. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think the receiving core has a chance to be one of the best in, in the conference. I think they were – I thought they were really good last year. It was just the quarterback, you know, Jack Abraham, and didn't have as much time to get the ball downfield, so you didn't really see them at their best. So, uh, yeah, I think the receiving core has, will be the strength of that offense. Hey, Patrick, I know there was a lot of hoopla when they, they signed the kid out of Memphis, the quarterback out of Memphis. Uh, that had committed to Louisville. Does he play into the picture at all this year? Or do you think he'll be redshirted? No, I, I think just everything he saw. He was here in the spring, and he was well down the depth chart. I think the expectation is that he'll probably be redshirted. I mean, they'll they'll give him every chance to compete here in the fall, but it's really hard to 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 catch up to Jack Abraham and Tate Watley, who have been around you know for a season and a, two springs now. Uh, so those two guys are kind of ready to get rolling. It's, it's hard to see Johnson. Uh, having much impact in his first year. I think the best thing for him and the program is that he redshirt, but you never know. Sometimes a kid shows up in the fall and just is, you know, is a different guy and has taken a huge step forward. But it would be really surprising if it's not Abraham as your starter with maybe Watley seeing some playing time. And we saw the, the AAC announce that it might be two years, if, and if they add another member at all, it might be two years down the road when everybody's kind of frothing at the mouth to maybe leave Conference USA to go to the AAC. What's new along those lines, Patrick, or fill in some blanks for us? Well, I mean, I think the, the conference is reluctant to you know add a team unless it really adds a lot of quality to the conference. I think BYU is going to be at the top of that list. I know a lot of people mention Army. I'm, I'm a little bit more skeptical on that. But uh, I, th- I think if, if, say, BYU doesn't say yes, that will come as a football-only member, that the American won't expand. I think that's what a lot of people expect to be the situation. I think Army may also garner consideration, but all they have to do is look back to Army's experience in Conference USA to see it's tough for them to compete uh, week in and week out with programs like a Houston or a uh, East Carolina. So uh, I, I think that at the end of the day, the American will probably stay put with 11 programs. Uh, I don't think they'll, they're in a huge rush at a, at a school. You know, if BYU comes in the picture, I think that's whenever things could speed up. All right, Patrick, you got a few more minutes you can spend with us? Sure. All right, when we come back, I want to talk to Patrick Kelly about an article that I saw uh, he's published. It's South Alabama now creeping into the Mississippi Gulf Coast and recruiting kids off for their football program. Not surprised. All right, Patrick McGee, we continue with the professor right after this on the Eagle Hour. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. 
And welcome back, everybody. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net, our friends down on Hardy Street with a great selection of Southern Miss apparel for birthdays, anniversaries, football season, anything you can imagine. They'll have new shirts in, I'm sure, pretty quick uh, for football. Uh, if you're not around this area, you can always do your shopping at CampusBookmart.net. And, uh, Kelly, they always got lots of stuff. But they? if you want those cheap T-shirts that, like, if one thread falls out, the whole thing right. goes to heck in a handbag, right. that's not the place to go. No. Now, if no. you want if you want the good top-notch, you know, Southern Miss swag, the nice golf knit shirts and things like that. Now, they have the T-shirts, but, right. they're, but they're not going to be the $3 variety now. No, just, that's correct. You know, everything's quality. Beware of $3 T-shirts. <laughs> if it sounds all, too good to be true. Then it probably is. You got it. Patrick McGee, the professor from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, is with us on the Eagle Hour today. Early appearance by Patrick uh, due to the upcoming holidays. All right, Patrick, I, I found uh, with great uh, interest an article that you put out this week about South Alabama coming onto the Mississippi Gulf Coast and recruiting uh, three or four kids for their football team. And, you know, we've had this discussion in the past. You go back to the days, the early days of, of Jeff Bauer. There really wasn't a South Alabama or a Troy or a uh, – you know, uh, other schools. Georgia State. Georgia State like that. Yeah. And those were the kids that Southern Miss just plucked up right and left. But, boy, Patrick, the landscape has changed, has it not? Oh, yeah. And I've, I've long made the argument that, you know, it's tougher for Southern Miss to really compete at that high, high level just because there are so many new programs. I mean, Southern Miss has, you know, consistently, you know, have winning seasons aside from one really rough stretch. But it's just gotten harder to win at Southern Miss. And South Alabama is right there on the doorstep. You know, no program is, uh, no FBS program is closer than South Alabama. And whenever they hired uh, Steve Campbell, the former head coach at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, uh, deep ties in the state, uh, you knew he was going to try to reach into this region and start uh, uh, finding guys. And they've got four commits from the coast, the state's southernmost six counties, uh, three offensive linemen, one's from Gulfport, one's from Long Beach, and one's from Hancock. And they also got a commitment from uh, uh, linebacker Zach Jones at East Central. He's really, you know, I was kind of surprised Southern Miss didn't offer him. He comes from, comes from a family with Southern Miss ties. and uh, But, you know, Southern Miss, you know, they identify the talent. Maybe they don't see it here in South Mississippi this year. I don't know. But uh, South Alabama has been really active. They have four, commit, four commitments right now. I know Southern Miss has offered Ocean Springs quarterback Blake Noblin. And, and there's a defensive back, a young guy who's going to be a junior of at Biloxi, Sabatini, but uh, as far as this senior class coming in, you haven't really seen Southern Mississippi active here in South Mississippi. We've always talked about how the, the, the science of recruiting is so inexact, you know, and it, mm-hmm. has, it has fans just scratching their heads all the time, but why didn't they recruit this guy? This guy's local. Well, right. We should get this guy, or we should get that guy, but there is no exact science to it. I want to go back, if I can, Patrick, on your, your thoughts on BYU and the AAC again. Geographically speaking, uh, that would not seem to make sense, in my view, because BYU is out there in Provo and all the rest of the teams are kind of east of east of the Mississippi. I, I would compare it to like Idaho, formerly in the Sun Belt. But um, why, why do you feel so strongly about, about BYU and that, that maybe being the way that they would go if that availed itself? Well, I mean, the American would want uh, BYU basically because they had a national following. Uh, BYU would be a big name. And as a football member, it's really not an issue. I mean, BYU is already traveling – a lot of places that go play games. I mean, for them, the scheduling has become a little bit of an issue. Uh, they're having a hard time putting get, put it together as much as they would like to admit. And and, and we talk about geographic. I mean, why is why is Navy in the Western Division of 
of the Americans because they like playing the schools in Texas, and Texas is also a fertile recruiting ground for BYU and, and some of those others. So I think in some ways, yeah, you're right. I mean, BYU wouldn't be an odd fit, but as a football member, you're, you're only traveling five to six times a season. You're always going somewhere, and it's the same way for the American teams. They're having to make uh, lengthy trips within their own conference already, whether it's, you know, from – Say you know Temple to you know to Houston or something like that. So I don't think it's much of a stretch as B, uh, that BYU could be a football only member. Well, what I hear though in this conversation is that Southern Miss's name is not coming up. No, I mean if 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 Southern Miss had been able to build something similar to what Boise State did ahead of uh, you know their inclusion in the Mountain West, uh, I, it would be a different situation. But that really that rough patch starting in 2012 uh, set Southern Miss back in terms of attendance and just uh, you have to win your way into these conferences if you're a Southern Miss and they just haven't consistently got to that 9 or 10 win mark the last few years so uh, that's what Southern Miss is going to have to do but if, even then it's, it's getting tougher and tougher. Southern Miss really isn't in the picture here uh, I think they would maybe get some consideration as a football only member if they were you know if, if they weren't coming off a six-win season, eight-win season, a seven-win season. Uh, they, you know, they really need somebody else that can come in there and compete right away. Not the Southerners can't do that, uh, but they don't give off the impression that they can come in and win nine or ten games in the American right now. Ideally, though, would you not? If you, if you're, you know, the AAC commissioner and other schools, ideally, wouldn't you want a member for all sports rather than just football? Uh, well, if you uh, the Americans really kind of experimented, uh, you see Wichita State, they've added Navy's been a successful program as a football only. Uh, what they've talked about often is you would add uh, uh, a BYU or a, an Army and a BCU. So, in other words, you get good, a good product. I mean, if it's, it's a different situation. If you had, say, a, a, a all-sports school, say, it, the options just aren't as good. I mean, do you add a UAB? Uh, as a as a all sports, it has maybe a little bit more tradition in basketball than a Southern Miss or or something like that. And and we all know how chaotic UAB's uh, athletics history has been over the years, so that might make them a little hesitant. So in other words, they think maybe they can get more quality out of a football only member, uh, and and then add somebody like a VCU, so they kind of get best of both worlds. Interesting stuff. Southern Miss needs a couple ten win football seasons, don't they, Patrick? They need a they need a lot of them. Uh, they really need to kind of get to the point to where they can compete for that major bowl bid spot. Uh, that's what Boise did back in the day. So if you put yourself on the biggest stage possible and you can kind of uh, improve your profile, that's when you can change things. Uh, losing out on that 2011 major bowl bid was a that was that was a major opportunity, and losing there at UAB late in the mm. season. Uh, that was that was a killer. But Bob, you talk, you use the terminology that, that the landscape has changed, and I know you, you and I are, are kind of some older fellas. We remember back in the quote unquote glory days right. of Southern Miss, but we also have to remember that, as you just mentioned, the landscape has changed. So we need to kind of get over the fact that it's not ever going to be the same, but it can't be because it's apples and oranges. Yes, right, no question about it. Uh, you didn't have. You didn't have South Alabama. You didn't have Troy. You didn't have all these schools that, you know, are going into the panhandle. And, and, and I hate to use the word second-tier kids. I don't mean that like it sounds. But 
let's be honest. I mean, the SEC comes just into the Florida panhandle, for example. They pick who they want. But, but, the kids that aren't picked used to be available almost totally to Southern Miss, and mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case but, anymore. But even from a scheduling standpoint, we'd have Memphis in here. We'd have Louisville. We'd oh, have East yeah. Carolina. Oh, yeah. You know, no Tulane. Qu- oh, no question. Yeah. No question. And what's so sad, Patrick, in that respect, as Kelly points out, is all of those schools he named were A, rivals, were schools that Southern Miss largely dominated on the football field. Right. And now they're yeah. all gone. Now they're all gone. Yeah. Yeah, and they you know, and they didn't really have the winning tradition whenever they moved up, but they had market and they had, you know, uh, uh boosters that they could rely on for large sums of money. I mean Memphis had FedEx and Tulane's got a lot of wealthy alums and it's located in large market. Both schools are located in large markets and that's why they moved up. Of course Memphis had the basketball program uh, that was really high flying at the time and that really helped them out as well. Uh, but, you know, a Tulane getting picked over a Southern Miss or a Tulsa getting picked up, they, the, both those schools offered markets and uh, uh, sizable, you know, uh, mm-hmm. endowments. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really what kind of got them in. And so I think your point is very well taken, and Kelly's as well. The landscape has changed. It's never going to be like it used to be. The only way out of the scenario that you find yourself in now is to win football games. And that you can't win six and seven games a year and go to the the New Orleans Bowl and think that's going to catch the eye of another conference. Or but part of this part of this is out of our, our control, our meaning Southern Miss's control. If Conference USA would improve yeah. its quality of play. You know, we were talking yesterday on the Eagle Hour about the, the cross section of polls. There's hundred and thirty schools in Division One. Seven of Conference USA's teams are like in the bottom 20 of, of the preseason you know, ranking. So if, if the league as a whole would improve, that would make the league more marketable, the league more desirable, then yeah. it might not be such a bad place to stay. You agree with that, Patrick? Yeah, yeah well, I think we've seen steady improvement in both uh, football and basketball over the last four to five years, but it's, you know, it's gradual. It's nothing uh, that substantial that maybe you can really recognize right now, but I think the league has gotten better with FIU and FAU suddenly becoming more competitive, and I, I think that will kind of continue along that trend. But uh, you know, Conference USA just isn't you know it is what it is. I mean, it's going to be as long as the longer the schools are together, the better the conference will get. And I don't see any of the members right now getting called up to say the American now. Now the Mountain West could be another story to where they try to UTEP or North Texas, but I think we'll see stability for the long, for the time being in Conference USA. All right, Professor, great conversation with you today. We hope you have a wonderful 4th of July. We'll look forward to having you back on the Eagle Hour next week. All right, y'all too. Patrick McGee, everybody, our good buddy from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Well, he does a good job, doesn't he? He does a great job. People people should yeah. subscribe to him online or do whatever it is to, you know. Nobody covers Southern Miss. He's on top Patrick of it. McGee. Yeah. All right, when we come back, the one and only Brian Anthony Volmuth on the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I want to thank Patrick McGee. Great segments, I thought, with Patrick. Patrick does a great job covering Southern Miss sports, as Kelly pointed out. 
And uh, we would encourage you to uh, subscribe to that newspaper if you really want to follow USM. This segment sponsored by our good friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill. What a great place to go before or after a ball game. You can have a great lunch five days a week down there. Great sandwiches they serve in the afternoons and the evenings. Pool table, wonderful Southern Miss memorabilia, and Kelly's favorite, trivia. Love playing trivia at the Porter. Now, there's I some, have to believe you are a killer when it comes to trivia. If, if I could just make some money using that yeah, information somehow, you know, using that information. But it is right. a lot of fun at Fourth Street, yeah. And, and it's you know, it's a good it's a good mix of the younger college kids, but also some of the older folks like us too. A really nice mix of people, ethnicities, right. ages, everything. It's a really cool right. place. Now, speaking of, of what used to be a younger college kid that's now an older adult, our next guest, B. A. Balmuth, joins the Eagle Hour. You mean he's paying tax? Now, VA, how are you, man? <laughs> I'm doing well. What's going on, fellas? Yeah, it's no fun paying taxes, is it, VA? <laughs> no, it is not. I'm learning that real quick. Yeah. <laughs> All right, VA. I know baseball's over, but boy, it's it's really picking up for you. I know you got some upcoming camps. You wanted to uh, let listeners know about it, so uh, let us hear. Yes, sir. We have uh, two more summer camps. Um, our summer kids camp number two, uh, just like our summer kids camp number one that we had earlier this year, that'll run uh, July 8th through July 11th, so next Monday through Thursday. Um, anybody who is uh, kindergarten through eighth grade um, is more than welcome to sign up, and uh, we'll be happy to have them. They can sign up online at our camp website, southernmissbaseballcamps.com, or uh, just walk up Monday morning around 845, and we'll get them signed up and ready to go. Um, and we also have another camp Saturday, July 13th. So a week from this Saturday is our summer showcase, which is a, a chance for older kids, ninth grade through uh, junior college, sophomores, um, to get out on the Pete and uh, showcase their abilities in front of our entire staff as well as other junior college and other Division two and Division three coaches. Um, that also is on our camp website, and all of our camp info is on our camp website uh, at southernmissbaseballcamps.com. Now, that's interesting about that camp, and I think we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but this will be some coaches from some from some JC programs and some other college programs uh, there as well, correct, uh, B.A.? Absolutely. I think we average around 10 to 12 junior college coaches and a handful of uh, other coaches from NAI schools pop in there from time to time. Um, so it's a great opportunity not just to, to you know, go to the Pete and uh, showcase your ability in front of our, our staff, but to get out there in front of a bunch of other potential college coaches or programs that you know, a lot of kids want to play for. Um, you know, not everybody can make a D1 roster. Uh, a, lot, a lot of guys, even on our team, have come from junior colleges, and, and it's they're found at things like this. Uh and where they can come out and really do do what they do in front of everybody. How important is this sort of thing for coaches? I would think that uh, anytime you can get a big collection of really good high school baseball players together, that would attract coaches because, gosh, I mean, there's a there's a pool of potential uh, roster spots for you. Absolutely. I was actually just talking to one of my buddies about it. Um, he, he doesn't really know too much about the baseball world, but, uh, you know, there, there's parents and kids that are paying two, $3,000 to go play on summer teams and potentially never get seen by a coach. Um, this is $155, and you know for a fact, you know, 15 coaches or so are going to be there um, the day the day you're out there and everybody gets their time 
to uh, to shine. It, you know, it's one person at a time. Your number's called. They say your name, say your school, and uh, everybody knows who you are. So a lot cheaper than uh, going out there and just playing summer games. You know for a fact you're going to get in front of uh, a Division One program like Southern Miss as well as a bunch of other schools. How many guys, B.A., through the years do you actually find that you didn't already know about that come through camps? Is there any data that would indicate, you know, those diamonds that in the rough? That's a great question. Um, I'm going to answer two different ways. One is uh, I haven't updated it, but I think we had something like 60-some percent of guys on the Southern Miss roster had been to uh, had one of our showcases, um, which is a really, really high number. Um, another one is that that's the purpose of our showcase in general is, is you want those guys. You want those diamond and rough guys, those guys who uh, maybe can't afford to play travel ball all summer long or play other sports to come out. And, uh, you know, those are the type of guys that you'll have a recruiting advantage over other schools because they, they're not going to be able to see them. And you're going to have great info on them right there at your home field. Um, so, so those are – Really, really big recruiting tools for us. Now, there's a lot of parents that might be listening to this now, and, of course, they're bombarded these days with social media and everything, and other parents, quite frankly, about, hey, you know, you got an 8-year-old kid, a 9-year-old kid that's pretty good. They need to be, you know, doing this this event over here, and they need to go to Atlanta to perfect game. And then realistically now, educate parents who, are, who might be listening across the state of Mississippi right now. Realistically, B.A., how old should – do kids need to be before they really parents really start you know sending them to these places you guys aren't looking at kids when they're eight and nine years old absolutely not uh without rambling on too long i uh i we i'm assuming y'all kind of grew up in the same type generation we played multiple sports growing up uh got a lot a lot more diverse uh athletic ability and and different types of sporting events under our, our belt. Uh, baseball was not all year round, even when I was coming up uh, just a short time ago. Um, but for me, I always try to tell everybody their kids first, let them have fun, let them make mistakes, let them learn the, the valuable lessons that baseball will teach them, especially with failure um, being the, one of the biggest ones. Um, so and I'm not going to tell anybody how to raise their kid or do anything like that, but no eight-year-old, nine-year-old has ever been offered a scholarship in the history of baseball. So uh, if, if you're pushing all that to uh, get scholarships and stuff, then you're uh, you're with the wrong program. Although I think Alabama is doing that in football now, aren't they? <laughs> they could. Yeah, they could. Yeah, be, I, well, I, I think more eight-year-olds are signing up to, to be on Alabama's football team than they're looking at. Right, correct. Ba, did you play travel ball when you were when you were young? When you were young, actually, well, I, younger. I'm yeah. sorry, younger. <laughs> I played uh, when I was 11 and 12. I was invited to play on a team for a couple tournaments. And the following year, I played uh, select ball. It, it really wasn't travel ball to the extent of as it is now. We played a bunch of uh, other junior highs and uh, some junior college teams, that type stuff. Um, but my dad was always a big believer in your high school obligations come first and. I always played summer legion ball and those type things, and I went to a couple of uh, showcases whenever I was in high school as well. Um, some of the perfect game type stuff, but nowhere near playing 60, 70 games in the summer. Uh, that's a that's a whole different animal there. And I'm going to guess too, you played more than baseball. Am I correct? You played other sports. I did until I got injured. I, I played all three sports: um, football and basketball. I uh, I got I got real big, real fast, and got really really slow. So I, I, I 
I played myself out of basketball. I wasn't agile enough. Um, but I always liked football. I ended up injuring my arm. And uh, at that point, baseball was a serious uh, obligation and commitment because I knew, I knew at that point I had something special, an opportunity to play further than high school. So I put all my eggs in that basket. Um, but that was when I was in 10th grade. Now, I have to pick on you a little bit, B.A., because you had such a successful high school baseball career, which, of course, led to being recruited at Southern Miss. A great career at Southern Miss. And anybody that's ever seen a picture of you, really, really handsome, good-looking guy, what would you know about failure in any aspect of your life? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I failed a bunch. Don't you worry. And if you want to go look at my stats, you scroll over a little bit further, and you'll see my strikeout numbers my whole career in college. So, uh, well, somebody, somebody's said, well, what, they said, what does B.A. stand for? I said, if you've ever seen him play, you'd know what B.A. stands for, yes, buddy. It means exactly, exactly right. stands Two home runs, I like to point out, in the same inning of an NCAA. I, I thought we were going to go one segment without you. No, I'm up. never going to allow that to happen, B.A. It's just <laughs> it's just too great. All right, B.A., run down those camps for us real quick again, man. Uh, next week, Monday through Thursday, is our summer kids camp, July 8th through the 11th. And then that Saturday is our summer showcase camp, which is for uh, high school age kids and junior college, uh, freshman and sophomore. Uh, our, our camp website, baseballcamps.com, all the info there that they need. Yeah, they, that's their own dedicated website, southernmissbaseballcamps.com, so you don't have to go the Southern Miss EDU route or anything like right. that. All right, B.A., you know, you're always welcome here. We always enjoy our conversations with you, man. Hope you have a great 4th of July, and hope your camps are a big, enormous success. <laughs> Guys, I appreciate it. Happy 4th to you as well. All right, B.A. Ball, man. And he everybody. better behave himself, or we'll call him by his Brian Anthony. <laughs> That's exactly correct. <laughs> like his, we wouldn't his do that on the air. Does. We wouldn't do that to B.A. on the air. No, we wouldn't. Thank you, B.A. <laughs> Thank you, guys. All right, B.A. Ballmuth, everybody. What a great baseball player he was. Man. Yeah, and now and now getting to, to share some of that knowledge with the uh, younger players coming up. You know, it's interesting, too, if you remember back, you know, he was behind Brian Dozier the World Series year. Dozier gets injured. B.A. steps in, and B.A. becomes a star. The old uh, Lou Gehrig, Wally Pip story, right? Yeah. All right, Eagle Hour continues. We've got one more segment, and we hope you'll stick around for that. Special shows coming up and going to be on the road, all that. That's exactly right. Hey, I want to thank uh, B.A. Valmuth and Patrick McGee for joining us on this edition of the Eagle Hour. We're very glad to have both those great guys on the show. Tomorrow we're on the road. We're going to be in Columbia. David Sutton will be sitting in in your spot tomorrow as we're going to be celebrating the bicentennial of uh, of Marion County. I, I hate that I'm going to miss that. But it's going to be big. I, yeah, Columbia, I'm telling you, is really yeah. making a name for itself, and, and I'm going to I'm going to miss that. I'll be over in the ATL 
visiting uh, my kids and, of course, seeing Electric Light Electric Orchestra. That, that Dalton knew nothing about. In, con- in concert uh, on Friday night. So we'll be there tomorrow along with JT. He's broadcasting his show. Rebecca Turner will be on after us. We're all broadcasting from the uh, courthouse lawn uh, in downtown Columbia. Really happy to be over there. We understand there's a, a lot of excitement in the community about Super Talk coming over there tomorrow and kicking off what will be not only, Kelly, their uh, bicentennial, but also will be the kickoff to their big 4th of July deal, which is Saturday, which is very, very big. It's mm. big. Between the 4th, 4th of July and the timing of 4th of July, almost being in the middle of the year. Mm-hmm. So the folks in Columbia then will start plans on their Christmas celebration. Right. And if you have any question as to how big this is for us, we are bringing the voice of the William Carey Crusaders with us to the Eagle Hour. Captain D. David Sutton in the Captain house. Captain D. David tomorrow. Sutton. Not to mention the voice of Presbyterian Christian School, the color announcer for Pearl River Junior College, the voice of William Carey University, and just really a Renaissance man, wouldn't you say? But not very often the voice of reason. <laughs> but that but that yeah that, that's gonna be not. cool but we're going on the road too. all these different remotes businesses saying hey yeah, we want you to man, come and we're see excited. us we're obviously we're going to be going back to sully's we really hate going down there it's just oh, yeah. nothing good to eat Ray, ramey motors and ramey motors and purvis uh we've got some upcoming dates that we've got to get booked uh here in the next week or two with dickie's barbecue and i know you really hate to hear that don't you get wait, wait a minute we're we're are yes. we going to be going to Dickie's? We're going to be broadcasting the show from Dickie's Barbecue. Hallelujah. <laughs> We're going to set up right by the soft serve ice cream machine. Hallelujah. We're going to have to constantly be you, calling Kelly. Kelly back over there. You're going to yeah, have the machine yeah. in the background. So uh, we're available to come to your place, too. You and you know, Bob, let us know. everywhere I go across the state now in Mississippi, people say, you know, all of that information with Southern Miss is good. The sports information is great. The interviews with the players and coaches, the statistics, the updates from the conference. But, but what? What really I want to know, and can you tell us every once in a while, is where can we get the show downloaded? Where would that be, Esquire? (laughs) Well, uh, as of right now, you can, of course, listen on our uh, sister stations, 97.3 and 99.3, or you can go to supertalk.fm slash listen and check us out there and check us out on SoundCloud. Or if you're on the go, you can listen to us on Spotify, the iTunes podcast app, on Google Play Music, or on Stitcher, and all those you can save to your phone and download and listen for, for future use. Well, and we're also on the um, Super Talk station in Macomb, oh, yeah. and the Super Talk ESPN 50,000 water up in the Mississippi Delta. Mm. But but anything he just said, did you understand a lick of it? Not a word. Not a word. It was, it was Chinese algebra to me, It's too. like Stitcher Cloud. Is that what you <laughs> said? Stitcher Cloud. SoundCloud. SoundCloud. You, you're there all the time, aren't you? Kelly? Wasn't that the name of the guy that Custer killed up in? Uh, I think it was <laughs> Chief SoundCloud. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you see what I work with here, folks. Uh, well, we have a good time around here. We're, we're looking forward tomorrow, though, to be in Columbia. That's going to be a really mm-hmm. big deal. You know, we talked a little bit earlier with Patrick about football. Right. It's been it's been a while since I have. I mean, I'm pumped about football season. I'm really, I mean, despite the fact that you're a Redskin fan, I'm a Bengal fan. Right. College football, right. I'm really looking forward to. And I think, right. I think, even though the Eagles have a tough schedule, you yeah. know, with the, the SEC opponents, I think they have a chance to here's make a, a marked improvement yeah, this Here's year. what I think will be interesting and tell a lot early in the, in the season. Forget the Alabama game. Anybody right, right. Will beat them, but how well can defensively the Golden Eagles play at Mississippi State, I think, is really going to show us a lot. 
Yeah, but, you know, Mississippi State, you look at a lot of the preseason polls there. Mississippi State's right in there 10 through 15 somewhere mm-hmm. in most of the polls. I mean, right. you know, and I know that I know that the Coach Moorhead up there took – and why he took a beating from some people about his early tenure up there, I have no idea because I thought they had a great, you know, season. Right. But, uh, man, they're, they're going to be loaded for bear again up there. In and what do, you, what do you think about the road game at Troy? Interesting, I think. A lot of people are, are looking at that one. If you're looking at, at tilting the scale as, as to, from a win-loss record, that that's going to be one to really watch. But, but one of the games that I have circled is the North Texas game here. Mm-hmm. Because looking at all the preseason prognostications, all the magazines, every one of them seems to right. say Southern Miss or North Texas. All right? right. So they've got the mean green here this year so hopefully you're going to go to every single game and we want to see you at, at mm roberts for every single game but if you're one of you know if you're just a casual fan make plans to be that one could really tell the tale in conference usa you know this year when uh, the north texas mean green comes to uh mm roberts and i'm not sure it, the and date the lane train too the that's lane right trains coming lane kiffin will be here all right we had a really special guest today towns aka tojo getty and we just wanted to know if you had a good time. Mm-hmm. Are you going to listen to the show now every day? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> if there's ice cream involved. or How about you know, if there's free ice cream every time you listen to the show? Would you listen to it then? <laughs> Maybe. How about free candy? Maybe. Maybe. Obviously going to be a politician. <laughs> every, everything. Maybe. Well, we're yeah. glad you're here, Tojo. Yeah. Thank you for sitting in with us. I watch it every day. All right. If there's free popsicles. There we go. Popsicles. Popsicles is the key. Got it. All right. Thank you, Tojo. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Esquire. Tomorrow at 1 o'clock, we'll be in Columbia. And until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the sea. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.